Great morning and welcome to Hockey the Podcast, Talking Tokyo ZA. And what a great morning it is. It's not a good morning, it's a great morning. It is a proudly South African morning. We uh, were looking for Ubuntu. We were going to bring Ubuntu back. The SA Hockey Men found Ubuntu. They brought it. They get delivering it to your doorstep this morning. If you're cold, your heart is warm. If you're sad, you're going to have only tears of joy today because the South African hockey men have gone forth and delivered superbly uh, with an incredible victory over Germany. A 4-3 win. They flirted with uh, creating some history in this tournament so far. They did create some history in this tournament. A 4-3 victory against the fifth-ranked nation in the world. Ranking points, obviously, are going to help. The tournament itself, another result may have not gone our way. Uh, but for today, and looking at today's game, we can look and be proudly South African. It is a step in the right direction. And it's, it's the conclusion to the performances that we've been looking for. Joining me this morning is each panel member has been part of the show so far, so you know them. We've got Mo, who uh, I'm not going to say was a late substitution, but has stepped in very kindly. Um, <laughs> and uh, we've got Andy Bernstein, we've got Marsha Cox and, and myself. And really, just before we dive in, I got a message from SA Hockey CEO Marissa Langini to share for you, all the listeners. So here it is. As SA Hockey, we're extremely excited and we're extremely elated by the performance of the SA men versus Germany this morning. From the very start of the Tokyo Olympic Games, the men's team has shown that they can threaten the best in the world. And they have been threatening from every single game that they've played. Um, today, they've shown that they can compete at this level. And they've definitely shown South Africa that they can win against the best teams in the world. Congratulations to, to our players. Congratulations to the team management. Um, it's a fantastic day and a historical day for South African hockey. It absolutely is. Marsha, we'll start with you. I mean, sure, you don't get better starts to the day than that, do you? Well, not only for us, I think for um, for the guys as well. You know, like um, we we always knew we always knew that they could cause an upset in this tournament, and um, as the tournament progressed, we were kind of like waiting for this moment to happen, and just it happening today against uh, Germany of all teams. I think that for them must be that has probably made their Olympic Games and made their days more more than it's made ours. I think. And and I mean, Mo, yeah. I mean, you've been with the teams before. What kind of a lift will this this do to uh, to Gareth and the boys? Not just for tomorrow for Canada, although we'll talk about that later. But more importantly, for the long-term future, what what impact could a result like this have? Uh, Tyler, I think uh, just even going on social media, I think uh, it's more than three points. I think it does two things. One is I think people outside of South Africa start to go, well, actually, maybe we need to pay attention to, to what's happening in South African hockey. So that can potentially open doors for other players. But I think certainly if you're a young player sitting at home, uh, it will definitely inspire you. I, I can tell you, like right now, I've had three kids message to say, hey, I think I want to come play hockey next year. 
And it's not because we went out of our way. I think they're sitting at home watching hockey going, well, how do I get to that level? So I think it's already happening. And, and I don't think it's only the boys. I think boys and girls, we're all seeing something going, this is really positive. How do we maintain this momentum? Yeah, you couldn't have said it better, Ma. I think it's uh, it's something that, uh, you know, we've we've watched this tournament and we, we've seen competitiveness. And, and, you know, we often, over the years, we look back at 2012. Um, at And I think I'm talking specifically now about the men, and I think about over the years, we, we talk about 2012, where we were so close against Great Britain. We talk about, uh, oh, the, I mean, Pakistan. You can go back to 2008, where... Uh, we lost late on to uh, Canada. You can go look at 2004, where Netherlands and Australia, we were there, but we didn't get it over the line. And even all the way back to 96, the draws against Australia and Malaysia were games where we didn't get over the line. Today is a massive statement because this is in a big tournament. South Africa not only competed, but competing has never really been a problem our spirit gets there our heart gets there obviously tactically we we're a bit shorter of them but today we didn't just compete we took it over the line that is massive mentally it's a it's a hurdle but also massive uh for the sports in this country to know that we can't just compete we can actually win against some of the best in the world um do you mind if i add to that like maybe everybody knows that i'm often the realist <laughs> in the room and and I don't mean this in any other way but just just in honesty and being real like we cannot deny the fact that for a lot of the hockey community that it's been it's been heavy for um the past maybe few years few months you know it's been frustrating it's been it's been tough because we all we we kind of always know that our position on the international scene is always going to be underdogs and it's always going to be tough but what we're seeing with the men's team is you know what Mo said it's inspiring but it's it's not just about the result today it's about how they've played every single game and the fact that we have shown depth and the fact that we have shown um, not just courage in the way we play and flair and skill and um, confidence, but just um, team. And you saw it in the emotion uh, in the celebrations and you, you see it in the way the, the bench has a vibe. You see it in the social media with the vibe in the, in the, um, in the village. And we've always had a team, but there's just something extra special about this group that I think... Um, We've, we've seen bits and pieces before, but we've never seen it like this before. And I think that having what we, we look back on when I talk about like, it, it has been frustrating, we can't deny that. And um, when I think when we look back at that, this, what they are doing, releases all of that. And it just gives us hope and it gives us the excitement to know. And it, it, it makes us, it gives us the encouragement, sorry, to know that, we have a future and it's really bright. Yeah, I agree with you, Marsh. I think um, it comes down to team culture, though. Um, I, th I think the squad that's in place now ha has an exceptional team culture. You'll see just from, if you have a look at it from a coaching perspective, the fact that they counted every single time we went a goal down or there was a goal scored against us, uh, the boys were very quick 
to come back and attack and, and not be defensive minded. So that the team culture, I think, comes off on the field as well, where the guys back each other. Uh, there's a lot of trust out there. Um, I think the communication has improved over the last year uh, within that squad. Um, Mo, you could probably add to that. And I just think that because of the team culture that's really positive um, on the field, it just means that everyone gives 100%. We had sliding tackles. We had, you know what? And today was the first game we didn't have a card. So with that, our numbers were always even, in fact, up because the Germans had, from what I can remember, a yellow and they had at the end of that second chakra and they had um, a green. So uh, that discipline today was so much better than the first two games. Um, and, and that stems from having good team culture in my mind. You brought up the defense and I want to talk about that. At halftime, South Africa went down, we're, we're behind 3-2. And I think this is another major mental thing for me is how often in the past have we competed and then when we go behind, it's game over. But that second half and that, that third chucker was categorically exactly played to the game plan um, perfectly. We defended. We allowed them to enter our, our circle, but we defended with heart. It's the best half of hockey I've seen Tim Drummond play in, in a couple of years, and he led and he lifted his team. And there was a powerful moment at halftime where you saw him grab Mustafa Kasim aside and, and just have a chat to him because Mustafa seemed frustrated by something. There was a moment where Tyson was trying to talk to the umpire and, and Tim said, no, no, no. You know, he, he calmed the emotion down and it was a real leader performance. But we kept a clean sheet in that second half. We, 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 we rolled the dice and we said, have a shot at us. Take, take your chances. But every single man in that defense stood up. Tim was making clearances on the line. Jethro was uh, clearing the ball out. But not just were we defending and going and, and panicking and hitting it out the side. Every time we won the ball in the D, we were looking up for a counter. And Nick Spooner's goal came from us winning the ball in our circle. Turn around, through the beautiful one to Nick when he does one of those bursting runs, Diane will find him. I mean, it's very difficult for any team in the world to mark against. But it came, it was attack led by defense. And that is what was so, so impressive for me in that second half. Mo, what about you? Yeah, so I'm in another WhatsApp group and we were obviously talking about the game at halftime. So obviously I think really competitive first quarter. I think the Germans started running away with it in the second quarter. Um, and we had a discussion around that. And I, at, after the end of the third quarter, I said, that is the best 15 minutes of hockey the men have played the entire tournament. right? And it wasn't because they didn't concede. It was just they played with so much maturity. And the game management was exceptional. Two, when we've been able to keep teams out, the way they've been able to unlock us is to win a corner, right? And in that third quarter, when they won the corners, we stopped them because I think that's been our soft spot. So that was critical for us to get that right today. Uh, and I think that count at the end, it's not just us who's seeing it. Other teams are seeing it. The Belgians are still talking about it. So what starts to happen now is you go, when I'm attacking South Africa, I need to be mindful of what happens when we lose the ball, right? So now it's not just a, let's go forward and not think about risk. You know, and I think in the past, when we've been too conservative, they're not worried about conceding. But everyone we play now is worried about what happens 
when they lose the ball. So I think you get a type of respect from that. And that goal with Spooner, I put in our group, Spooner ran 40 meters, right, to get there. Uh, obviously, the pass, the vision was awesome. But from where he passed the ball initially to where he finished, that was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And I agree. Uh, sorry, Marsh. Um, no, go for it, Andy. Thanks. I, I also think that just shows the commitment, Emma, to, to, to the team. Um, you know, you're talking about PCs. They had seven PCs and scored two. We had one from one. So I think Gareth should be exceptionally happy about the fact that our conversion rate is 100% right now from that game, um, which was a brilliant goal. Uh, but we didn't concede that many over a 60-minute period. To have seven only conceded is, is, I think, great defensive work as well. And I think Rossi also stepped up in that department. Yeah. Well, and and let, let's talk about a bit more of that defensive work because we allowed the penalty corners, but we defended them really well. And, you know, in that first half, the thing that was starting to concern me was we weren't getting to the rebounds. So Rossi would make a save, but the guys weren't there super quickly. And, and it was clear that at halftime, that's something they spoke about because everything that Rossi touched, the next touch in the second half was a South African. Um, now, I mean, that just sets the tone. That, that makes those exciting forwards think, sheesh, uh, this is a chance. And, and again, what we saw today was it wasn't Billy and Tuli, Mustafa and Diane banging in the goals. It just shows you that South Africa have goals coming from lots of different places with Keenan getting a, a – I mean, Keenan is probably the most underspoken about member of that forward pack, but is, is such an important role specifically in the defensive attacking. Um, he got there. Uh, another man who's just humble, a good leader. You got um, Nick, I mean – that, that goal, it's beautiful that Nick scored it because he made a similar run against USA in the FIH uh, Series Finals when, when South Africa essentially qualified for the Olympics. Um, but, I mean, just think about that, bringing that up. You look at that. We battled away to a hard-fought 2-1 win against USA, who were ranked 18th in the world. Today, we, and this is two years later, with COVID in between, Today, we manfully, out, tactically outplayed the Germans. You know, we, we beat them in the defense. We beat them in the attack. They may have had more possession and more uh, circle penetrations. But ultimately, for me, the better team won today. And that is a, an incredible statement to make when you've got a South African team sitting at 14th in the world, playing the team fifth in the world, and saying, yeah, I agree, the better team won today. You know what's exciting as well, Tyron? is that from a coaching perspective, you look sometimes, Marsh, I mean, you keep saying it, you're not a coach, but we all know <laughs> at heart you are. You'd make a great coach. And, Mo, um, you know, there are those games that you watch and you think, I have to get a copy of that game. I need to re-watch that game. I need to show it to my players. That is this kind of game. Because from, from a coaching point of view, I just keep looking at how were we so good today. And I think it was just better use of space. Um, right in the beginning, you know, we went, we were quite easily going from three at the back to four at the back. In fact, we were, had like five back, five forward um, at times. And just because we used the space so well today, uh, in other words, all four corners of the field, it wasn't like we were playing only down one side of the field or down the middle. We used the entire field. And that, because of the spread of that field, it just enabled extra space to attack through. Yeah, harder to defend. But uh, we had a no-die attitude, and I think that's where the boys actually did so, so well, is just using that space to attack, especially on the counter. 
The two players I would like to speak a little bit about today, um, Sam Vimby and Tyson, because we've seen the two of them do their job throughout the games. And, and they've had moments where they've actually stood up. But I thought today they were consistently uh, important in the crucial moments. Um, we spoke about it in the previous in the previous game, the Belgium game, how, you know, the one of the goals came from great defense in our circle and it was Tyson who makes the actual counter-attack pass. But I thought today, you know, we saw them quite a lot and that when you see a player a lot in the field, it means that they are really actively involved in the game. They are, they, they understand their role. It, it means that they know that with the ball and without the ball, they have a big job to play and they're getting stuck in. And I just want to mention them because I think that, that they deserve that uh, praise for the hard yards they put in today. And also, you know, when you, when we probably analyzed that first goal, that uh, penalty corner, I think Sam might kick himself a little bit and we're going to have discussions of should Sam have stepped, shouldn't he have stepped or, you know, something like this. Uh, Mo, you know this really well because I think these kind of analytical discussions are your forte. But literally a minute or two after that, you see him in our attacking circle uh, creating the chance for Keenan. You know, so I think that this is the mindset that I really like to see. And I think it's it's what you want to see at international level is that if a player does something where they probably go, oh, maybe I can do better and immediately fix it and be important in a crucial moment that can determine how the game goes. Um, don't get me wrong. Everybody played well. I'm um, Jethro is doing a really good job in the defense. Matthew is doing a phenomenal job as well with his aerial skills and, of course, being clinical on the penalty corner attack. He's, uh, he's doing great. You mentioned, Tim, you, you know, we know the strikers, Billy, getting in there. His goal, his second goal in the tournament, it's coming. It's coming. You feel it coming. Um, yeah. But I, I really just wanted to highlight uh, those two players today because, for me, their, their performance um, really made an impact in the crucial moments of the game. Yeah, it's an interesting one because uh, on one of the many chats, I remember messaging and saying, uh, I think it was in the early in the second checker, yes, that's frustrating from Tyson. Uh, I think he had given the ball away quite cheaply. And then just after that, there was an opportunity where Germany broke and they were three and two. And he pulled off a superb tackle in our circle. So, you know, like it could very easily have been laid off. It could have easily been crossed could have easily given away a penalty corner. It was a sublime tackle. And, you know, I played defense when I played, uh, not at a level that any of you would have played at because it was a few levels down. But I know that as a defender, one of the best things is when you make a bus's full tackle like that, that is clean, it's pure, that almost gives your team as much of a lift as a striker scoring a goal. And, and you could just see... Yeah, man, I can't fault anyone defensively in that that second half. I thought uh, if we could if we could be critical of one thing, it's maybe we gave away a few too many penalty corners um, softly. Um, for example, the one where Rassi kicked it up under no pressure. Um, but man, if you're defending like that, give away a few penalty corners because uh, you're not going to get beaten. That's that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> 
let's talk about our goals. Obviously, a drag flick. And what was interesting was there was a clear plan. GB has gone high in all three games so far. He's looked at his first drag flick and he's gone high. And it was clear he almost went to the Austin Reacher just above the backboard on the left-hand side. It was clear that we knew exactly where to strike uh, on the first PC. And he nailed it to absolute perfection. Um, you know, Andy... As a coach, that, that looks to me like a clear game plan was followed. That must be something quite impressive to see. Yeah, like I said before, I think Gareth would be happy with our percentage success rate on the PCs. Uh, you know, in men's hockey, it's always flipping hard. Uh, you know, uh, as, as a coach of more women than I have uh, coached, I've only coached school boys, um, but, but in the women's side, um, just the pace that the men have to offer on the PCs, I wonder how the hell those defenders can actually see some of those shots. But um, it was great placement. Uh, you know, it, it's really hard to defend when you expect something to come at you and suddenly at the last minute it changes. So, um, you know, defensively it's it's tough, but I, I, you got to take the opportunity. So super impressed with the fact that he, he didn't go to the same place that he went yesterday. But um yeah, it's a, it's a power that the guys have. I think that just make it awesome to watch, but just so rewarding when you score those goals. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Can I, can I yeah, jump in there it. about the drag flicking? So I had a discussion because statistically in this tournament, men's teams are scoring at a higher success rate than the ladies' teams. Uh, and I said one of the things is it's not about lack of ability. I said I think it's also perhaps a subconscious thing that we're not encouraging girls to to learn the trade and say, hey, you know, you're really talented. Would you like to become a drag flicker? I will coach you. And and the national level is too late. Somebody has to introduce you to it at a younger age, be it school, be it club. But for me, it's not an ability thing. It's an opportunity thing, right? You go back 10 years ago, people were saying, oh, girls can't throw overheads. I'm like, maybe because you don't give them the opportunity to throw overheads. Oh, you're not strong enough. You're not quick enough. And I think that's rubbish, right? It's about opportunity, right? There are lots of females who've come in the game, Peter Kutia, who've shown you can do this, but someone has to invest in you and give you that opportunity to learn the trade. It is such a specialist skill that not everyone is going to get to elite level, but the more people you give the opportunity to, the higher the chances are someone becomes elite, right? So I think... That's Agreed. something, the messaging around it has to change as well. Mo, don't you think it's also a little bit a, you know, like uh, just a natural phenomenon, like a natural process with sport though? Because, you know, you watch, um, boys watch football and then they see Messi scoring goals and they're like, yes, I want to be in that game. And they want to just copy what Messi does. And then um, boys see the drag flickers flicking and scoring and the celebrations and it's great. Um, and um, they go and they practice it from the time they 10 without anybody showing them how to do it. You know, you'll see them trying yeah. to drag flick and we'll all have a good chuckle at the little kid trying to, to throw something at the, at the goal. And with girls, I have no idea why, but why don't young girls get inspired by seeing um, right now, the drag flickers are, are uh, few <laughs> uh, in terms of scoring amazing goals in women's hockey. But 
why aren't they inspired? And, and then on another level, when you talk about opportunity, not only opportunity about co for coaching, as a player, so nobody knows this, but in my last year, when I knew I was going to be retiring, I went and I asked for drag flicking training because I saw the opportunity to have a position in the penalty corner that could be uh, something for the team. So in terms of opportunity, why don't players see it as opportunity to mean something to your team and, and take up that initiative themselves? So I'm just going to leave it there so that we can go back to the boys. <laughs> Fair point. It's, it's, it's a great point. And, and it's one that I saw even Andy was getting asked about on social media uh, this week. But because we want to stay in this moment right now, uh, you know, for you guys, how does this rank? How does this result rank with the most iconic South African results over the years? Like, where yeah, I feel I was I was looking at this game and, and, and also like having conversations on our WhatsApp group and social media and I and I actually said to a friend just now when I when I spoke to her, I said to you, you know, this is one of those moments where people are gonna look back and say, Where were you when the, when the SM men beat Germany at the Olympics. And I'm going to remember exactly where I was at 4.30 in the morning watching them on TV. It's one of those kind of moments. Um, yeah, I just think it's amazing. Uh, for me, it's up there with uh, Marsha and them beating Germany. Uh, that was pretty <laughs> Thanks, special. Bro. And uh, when the men beat Australia in Atlanta. Yes. Like those two, for me, absolute standout. It's that level. I agree with Mo because I'm also looking at the the opposition and I'm wondering when will Germany have a Fuchs again? When will Germany have, you know, uh, the players that they currently have in their team that are we know them on as world class and we know them always, you know, in the, the top ten ranked individuals in in world hockey and you you question when will those players be around again and or that caliber of player be around again for. South Africa to beat, and I definitely I agree with Mo. It's in there. It goes way up there. <laughs> yeah, look, look for saying, me. Uh, yeah, go for it, Andy. Sorry, saying saying all of that, like like Marsh, just from a realistic point of view, I find that the men, and we are obviously going to go on to discussing this anyway. Um, but the men's next game is not is is really crucial, irrespective of where we finish in the standings, because just from my experience. Um, from coaching, it's really, really uh, hard to come back and play a team that's not as good as the teams you've already played. Um, so we've got to make sure that we keep the standard up. We, uh, you know, and, and Marsh will know playing at IPTs, uh, although she was always one of the best sides at IPTs, but the underdogs generally step up their game and play so well against teams that are ranked above them. Now you're playing a team in a similar type caliber and, and Canada aren't bad. I'm just saying that they're not a Germany or a Belgium. Um, so the boys have got to be really, really focused going into the next game um, to ensure that we keep up the pace, we keep up the counter-attacking ability we, and, and we start scoring goals and just put it to bed early, I reckon. It's, it's a very good point because it segues quite interestingly. We play tomorrow uh, Canada played Belgium today, uh, an hour and a half before us, and got beaten 9-1. Um, by all means and purposes, South Africa should have a fair amount more possession tomorrow. 
Now, what we've seen is we've become a team whose tactical game plan is absolutely perfectly suited to having less possession and playing on the counter. You know, are we right. almost entering into a thing? It's almost like the Springboks, uh, Rassi Erasmus at the World Cup. <clears throat> he that South Africa were almost more dangerous without the ball than with the ball, so he kicked the ball away a lot. Are we going to see something that is a little bit more challenging for the guys tomorrow in the sense that they're going to have a lot more possession than they've had against Belgium, Netherlands, and Germany. Um, you know, Andy, Andy raises a good point, but, you know, how flexible are we in our tactical approach? Because it will require something different. We, we won't be able to, I don't believe, we'll be able to just give Canada the ball and sit back and wait for them to come because I think they might try and do the exact same thing. And then we're going to have a game where the ball sits in the middle and everyone's waiting for the opponent to have the ball. Uh, which would be hilarious to see. But, you know, that's the one thing. The other thing is the mental high from today, the the endorphins that have been released by today, the pride, the guys are in the village, the South African, Team South Africa are running around, going to be giving them high fives, being like, wow, that lift can also become a distraction ahead of tomorrow. Where Canada have had a tough tournament they would have been playing for the world ranking points that come for the South Africa game. That's the game they would have marked as the game that they could play. Is there a danger that today the excitement, and, and Marsh, you've experienced this in an Olympic Games where you beat Germany, that lift, I mean, that, that German result that was, you know, picture perfect. You couldn't have written a better script, but you had to get back in action just after that, and you had to play... Uh, if I go back to the stats, we're going back to Beijing. You still had to go play Spain, I think it was, in the... In, in the Yeah, uh, sorry, mm -hmm. Athens. Yeah, not Beijing. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah. you still had to go play Spain. Um, yes. You know, and, and you won that game, but it was a very, very tight game. You know, take us through just the mental side of things, that high and having to compete tomorrow in a game where you go from being underdogs to favourites. Okay. So there's two things, and... Um, I'll talk about probably mental approach from a player's perspective and physical approach. And then I would also like to throw it to Mo because I know that he's also got a lot of insight on Canada. Um, and I think that that would also be nice to, to hear. Um, but just on the, the player's approach, um, there are two elements to it. There's one where you, you've prepared for the game against Canada equally as you've prepared a for all the other games. Um, and we know that our men have put a lot of time into their preparation on the, the various teams. So on the, the high that you feel, um, I also know that the men have done a lot of work mentally on their approach to different games. And I think that a lot of players will be facing sort of a, a they have a choice. So I can look back at the past pool games and go, wow, thank you, Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, for giving, for showing me what my level of play is in those practice games against you, those warm-up games, you know, because this game against Canada, it is our final game. It is our final. So now I've had my warm-up and this is my, mo this is my moment. And that is the choice that a lot of the players are going to need to make uh, tonight but you've got to have your moments of celebrating this, this win against Germany. You have to have it. You can't uh, deny that you have done something special. And I think that 
they will they I've what I've appreciated about the boys is their discipline in their recovery um, and you've got to take care of all of that enjoy the moments enjoy laughing at some of the things enjoy laughing at some of the reactions from the germs after the game you know like the devastation on their faces but I do believe that they have prepared equally for the game against Canada and I do believe that they are still while we've seen a lot of guys shine and have their moments I do think that there is still a lot of hunger and I do think that there are one or two players who do know that they've got more in the tank and can shine a lot more in this event. And Canada is going to be that moment for them. And they're going to want to take it with both hands. That's how I would think a lot of the players are, are thinking. But I would really like to um, get a little bit more insights from Mo, if you don't mind, Mo, about Canada and yeah. their approach. Because, of course, they're going to also come out uh, firing and... That's what makes it more exciting is that our boys know how to play when we are down. And I don't, I wonder if Canada have that same confidence and belief when things are not going their way. Yeah, thanks, Marsh. I mean, obviously, I've done some work with them, and most of the guys in that team are the ones that went to Rio. I think two things one is when they were planning and looking at fixtures, they definitely marked South Africa as a team to get three points off. And I don't think that will change. I think also because they haven't won a game, there's a certain type of emotional uh, process you go through, right? Going, okay, I want to make sure when I go home, I've won a game, you know? So I almost think tomorrow is tomorrow. You know, like you said, enjoy today, go through that process and then reset because we've done that pretty well. It's been a game by game thing. And I think that's how we need to start. Um, I don't think the games will be as defensive as, as some of them have been because I think it's two teams who feel that they can get a result. So it, I'm expecting it to be a little bit, bit more open. Um, uh, I think the Canadians generally view us as a team that they should beat and we view them the same way. And it's really going to come down to who executes their game plan better uh, tomorrow. Um, I think they'll think we're a better fit, style-wise, um, compared to the other teams they've played. Um, I think their back four, back three are lacking in pace. So if we just continue to do what we've done really well, uh, I think it will be a matchup problem for them. Um, and then the rest, I think, Marsh, is just execution, really, yeah. you know, uh, on, on game day. And I also think we need to also just... Um, probably acknowledge the fact that as much as we're looking at performance-wise in this tournament and we know that we, we can beat Canada, you know, uh, I'm quite confident in that. But I think we also have to just go, hang on a second, who's the pressure on in this game? The pressure is on them again. And that's what we've done really well, is acknowledging that the pressure is on the opposition and then we just go out and jaw, you know? Um, so I think that that's also another thing that we have to acknowledge, that... Uh, as much as performance-wise, um, in the last uh, four games, we probably have uh, performed a lot better uh, than Canada has. But still, the pressure's on them. It's not on us. It's a good point that you make because I've done the maths behind the scenes and, and I'm fairly confident in my maths abilities. Um, I hope so because otherwise I'm going to lose my day job. But... Um, Mm -hmm. South Africa with that win over Germany would 
move up to 11th place in the world rankings. Canada are 10th. So Canada are still defending a position in the top 10. And this is something that is exciting because if South Africa beat Canada tomorrow, the points exchanged will put South Africa into the top 10. In fact, they'll go ahead with Spain into ninth place. Um, as it stands, of course, uh, that can still change a little bit. But we're talking about being a top 10 nation. I mean, and deservingly so. That is something special and that's something we want to see. The other thing that is also quite interesting is obviously there are no classification games at the Olympics anymore. You get your five games. But South Africa have now scored 12 goals in Tokyo. The most a South African side has ever scored at an Olympic Games. It's London. No, London, we got 14. We got 15 in Athens. Athens. So 15 oh, wow. in Athens because, remember, yeah. we got the 5-1 victory over Egypt in the last in yeah. the, the 11-12 playoff. So from seven games, we got 15. We've got a chance to go and set that record. It's the most goals we've ever scored in a pool stage. Um, you know, we, we are looking fantastic. It is Tim Drummond's 150th cap for the country. Um, it is Tyson Dunguana's 50th cap for the country. So, I mean, that is two amazing moments. It's, it's the kind of thing that, uh, you know, anyone who writes a, a hockey magazine or anything like that would love things like this. It's stories that are telling themselves. It's, uh, it really is a great opportunity. You know, can, can Austin Smith get a goal and become the first South African man to score three Olympic Games? You know, that kind of thing is up, up for grabs. Uh, he, might, he might be quite happy to just let GB keep taking all the PCs. But you know, I think there's a lot for South Africa to play for. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, they have become the world's second team. The South African hockey man is everybody's second side. Everybody has watched them with joy. And unfortunately for Canada, it almost feels like uh, they're going to be playing South Africa and the rest of the Olympic village tomorrow. <laughs> I'm loving your stats, Ty. Um, <laughs> I didn't think there was a hockey nerd worse than me, but yeah, you, you definitely take the cake. That's, that's really interesting and fascinating. Um, yeah, let's hope that our woman tomorrow can, can possibly... Um, follow suit and, and gets ha, having watched the men be, be excited and inspired. Um, also a, a really tough game for them, I think. Um, but again, you never know, like you said yesterday, you never know. The, the women could surprise us all, take it to the Germans. Um, it'll put them in an interesting spot with Ireland still having to play India. Um, anything can happen tomorrow for, for both teams. Absolutely. I think, Marsha, you, you mentioned it in an earlier podcast, but when you guys went and beat Germany, it was 3-0. Germany went on to win, was it silver? Gold. gold. They won gold that year. They won gold. They won gold. They won gold. Well Marsh. We are the only teams who beat them. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, the girls are going to be up against uh, Germany tomorrow. Uh, again, I, I don't think Germany have been wow at this tournament, the women. I think they were yeah. much better at the European Championship. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be very hard. We're going to have to defend well. And the, probably the thing that, that has been the most disappointing is just that lack of attacking um, get-go for, for the girls. Somebody's going to have to step up tomorrow and, and try and get a foothold in the midfield and, and give us a few chances. You don't need as many chances as your opponents if you're clinical enough, as, as the men have proven. Um, and I'd love to see that tomorrow. Do you think we might see a little bit of a change in game plan? 
will we go with something like we did in that first uh, first chucker against Great Britain where we try and contain and play on the break? Um, you know, and, and is there a chance? You know, yeah, absolutely nothing to lose. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Mosh. Um, I just think as now, it's interesting that they're not playing out the classification 9-12. So um, it's, it's, I will be our last game. We might as well just give it absolute horns and, and play it 100% risk versus reward. Uh, take the game to them. Make them work harder than ever before to get any goals. I, I just think if the if the mental attitude is right tomorrow, yeah, we could see a repeat of two thousand and four, Marsh. Yeah, and that would be really inspiring and and lovely to see. I think um, for for the girls, I think that they also need to um, play the game in phases. Um, you, you know, we're also seeing that it's really hot out there. You saw it today as well for the boys. So it's really hot out there. And I think we need to just play the game in phases. Germany, I've got some weak points. We are very aware of that. Um, and in order to capitalize on that, we, we definitely have to just break. Like, the, it's nice that we have chuckers, but we even need to go further than breaking it down, the, breaking the chuckers into a half, like in each chucker in half as well. And then just play... Um, you know, a combination of of expansive hockey and a combination of simple simple hockey, where all we're doing is retaining possession and keeping the ball as long as possible, frustrating the Germans, allow them to open themselves up, and then capitalize on on those moments when the the field is is open and and we can attack with some speed. Um, but I do think that we we have to just uh, play it in phases and manage those phases really carefully. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you could have said it better. I think if we uh, if we get caught up in the in the whole process, that if we have a bad chucker, let's throw that chucker away and play the next one. You know, uh, you know, we talk about breaking games up into chuckers. South African men won the first chucker today, two one, or was it? Yeah, no, the second one. We won one of the first half chuckers, two one. As my emotions are still all over the place. Yeah, yeah we also, the first, first chucker. And we also won the last one. Yeah, yeah, we won 2-1, then we lost 2-0, then we uh, won 1-0 and 1-0. So, something like that. Yeah, we were 2-3 yeah. down at the end of the second, 3-3 three, three at the end of the third, and then up 4-3 in the fourth. I probably need some sleep, but uh, just before we wrap up, um, because obviously the ladies are in action at 2.30 tomorrow morning here in South African time. That means, uh, Marsha, I think you're an hour ahead of us. No, same. No, same. Oh, okay, so 2.30 for you. you yours is just warmer. Um, <laughs> so set the alarms for 2 o'clock. Uh, get yourselves a cup of coffee made. Let the ladies go out there and make some history. We know that Pumalena provides them a fantastic base to build around. Um, and then at, it's quarter past five, the men are in action against Canada. It's the end of the, the Tokyo experience, of course. Mathematically, it's not. Uh, if we win 15-0 and Germany were to go lose tomorrow, uh, we would uh, jump over them on goal difference. But realistically, the Netherlands-Great Britain result being a draw today has eliminated us from the, the quarterfinals. That's okay. We can accept that. Let's go and win tomorrow's game for tomorrow's game first and foremost. And, and let's get ourselves into the top 10. And let's go from there. Let's become a team that everybody wants to play because it is a worthwhile challenge. Uh, when you're in the top 10, people are knocking at your door for a test series. Um, so it should be exciting. 
As always, uh, Mo Marsha, Andy, thank you so much. Uh, Talking Tokyo has been amazing. I've I've absolutely loved this this journey so far. Talking with other passionate hockey people, listening to other passionate hockey people. We have more. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back on Saturday, and then after that. Marsha and I have some good plans. We haven't spoken about them yet, but we have some good plans to make sure we keep things going. Um, so thanks very much. Good luck to Robin and his team in the morning against Germany and Gareth and the boys. You did us proud today. Let's do it one more time tomorrow. Thanks very much, guys. We'll see you thanks, soon. Thanks, Cheers, guys.